Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> what up? I mean, it's not like there's a big game going on this weekend or anything. I mean, you know, just a regular old Saturday. CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is currently Wednesday. No, today is Tuesday, November the 23rd. Virginia has just finished winning the uh, Legends Classic in Newark, New Jersey. That's scenic, scenic city it, it is. Um, <laughs> getting by uh, Providence tonight, 58-40, to 40, in a game that wasn't as close at times, as that number would imply, and then was much closer, and then wasn't a close. It was very interesting. We will talk about that some, but mostly, obviously, our, our focus is on Saturday. Now, as you listen to this, it is Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to you and all of your family and friends and anyone you know and everyone else out there. Um, I think I covered everybody with that, potentially. Um, we are we are delaying the show, obviously, for... I mean, look, when there's basketball and football together, plus you've got a holiday and everything, stuff gets screwy. So, um, in case something crazy happened on Wednesday, it's not our fault, okay? That's just my normal disclaimer when these kinds of things happen. Um, before we get started talking about Tech Week and everything to play for and all that fun stuff, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, I've been Fisherville. David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. It's Tech Week, dude. You know, I, I love it. Gets me excited every year. Who days on the board? At Who days on Twitter. And up in Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the program. What's going on, my dude? Not too much. Guys, are you ever just brushing your teeth? Stop. And then all stop. of a sudden. Okay, stop. Now, that's the first time you've ever really gotten close <laughs> to the whole thing getting dumped. Uh, Damon is going to join us. Wait, you got to give the people your Twitter handle, you terrible, terrible human. Uh, that woman. <laughs> stop. Stop. You're both horrid. Give the people your Twitter handle, Ferber. At Justin underscore Ferber, no medical advice and, to be found. Uh, Cavs Corner, also under Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional way banter. Damon is currently, as we mentioned, this uh, basically the Virginia game just went final, um, and so Damon is is handling the post-game duties, and he will be here shortly. Um, I, I'm not sure when he will pop in. Um, I would imagine that it's going to be a little bit because um, I think there's like a trophy presentation and all that fun stuff first. So. Um, let's first talk about real quick, just a couple minutes on basketball. Cavaliers have picked up a couple of wins in Newark. Um, my cousin Armand looks pretty good, although he, 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 he sort of disappeared a little bit in that second half. He was, um, I think he was what five of seven in the first half scored 14 points and didn't take another shot the rest of the way. Um, I know he, foul trouble sort of slowed him up some Gardner ends up with 21 Clark goes for 10. Um, I think that's Gardner's third double, double of the season. As Virginia moves to three and uh, two, well, no, th- sorry, four and two. Where's Ferber when I need him to sit next to me and tell me what the record is? Right when the horn sounds every game. Four and two, zero and Thank zero. You. Um, 
I, I, I don't know if you can say that there's a whole lot to take away from the Legends Classic other than maybe the defense is a little more dialed in and maybe things are a little bit more comfortable. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. General takeaways from Virginia's time um, in New Jersey. Uh, winning is better than losing. And, Affirmative. Um, yeah. And, look, I think you saw like the last game wasn't that pretty. You know, they kind of just got it, did enough to win. Um, frankly made some shots tonight. I thought like that's kind of the defensive effort you need to see from this team um, for them to have a successful season, you know, certainly to live up to the preseason billing um, granted Providence missed some wide open shots. You know, I think they were like three for 18 from three or something. Three for um, 22. I was just like, well, yeah, they took, <laughs> yeah, they took a few late ones too. Um, that helps, you know, other teams are making them. So, but yeah, I, th- I like the effort, you know, should, it's a work in progress, but you know this team's probably going to have to make hay on the defensive end to to have any success, and then kind of piece together an offense. And certainly, Franklin and Gardner the last two nights have, have shown glimpses of what we hope they'd be. So let's hope it moves forward. Competition is going to get better soon. Yeah, for what do you think? What are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean it's good to get the wins for sure. Um, I said last night after they beat Georgia, it's not really a quality win necessarily. Um, for the resume, because I mean, a lot of people see like a power five opponent and just assume it's like a good win. They're not good. They're ranked like 180 in Ken Palm or something like that. Um, but it, it's a good win for them to get, you know, to kind of have to overcome some stuff late. And even if they didn't play their best game, um, it's still worth noting that they were able to close the game out. And then tonight, you know, it was good to see them kind of just get out to a lead. And, and it definitely shrunk. I think it was 17 or 18 and went down to six. Um, but they were able to kind of balloon it back out. And, and that's kind of what you want to see. Um, my big takeaway, for one, you know, you mentioned the three-point shooting of Providence. Georgia was just as bad. Um, I think they were like three for 21. So over the last two games, UVA was gave up like six, three, or six threes on like 40-something attempts. Um, so, I mean, like they kind of got hammered by the three against Houston and Navy. And then these two games, teams were like unbelievably bad. So, I mean, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle on that um, going forward. But, yeah, I think that the big takeaway for me is um, I think Dave's right about the defense is probably going to have to be good for them to win a lot of games. Shedrick's performance, like blocking the ball, especially the last couple of games, has been very good. Um, tonight, especially in the second half, his help defense was really good. Um, but I think, like, if the team's going to win and they're going to play well and they're going to get better as the season goes along, Franklin and Gardner – um, have to give you what they kind of gave you these last two nights. Um, Franklin in particular was really good in Newark. Um, it's good to see him kind of like shake off some early performances. And if this is what they're going to get from him, I mean, their ceiling kind of does raise a little bit from where we thought it might've been last week. And then Gardner was excellent tonight um, posting the double double. So I think that he was really good. And um, if they can get those kind of performances from those two guys and then rely on everybody else to just help them out, then they can be pretty good. But it's still too early to say whether or not um, what they're going to get nightly is going to be as good as what we saw the last couple of nights. But um, Providence is probably the second best team they've played. I, I mean, I'm almost sure that they are. Um, they could end up being a tournament team. So that might end up being a pretty good win, especially on a neutral court. So overall, good trip up there for sure. I feel like, you know, you have so many different new pieces that when you bring guys together, you're never really sure what it's going to look like. And after, you know, a handful of games, it sort of felt like we, we had a general sense of what it was going to look like. 
I, I got to eat some crow because I, I made a comment. Uh, I don't know if it was last week's show or the one before. Essentially saying, like, wasn't really sure Virginia was going to have this sort of rim protection that they've become, you know been accustomed to. And clearly, Caden Shedrick heard me talking smack and decided to put that um, on blast. Um, I mean, dude has been a a lot better around the rim, obviously, than I expected. But certainly, I think he's he's had these moments where you can see the glimpses of what he might be able to become. And he's actually getting, for the first time in his career, real, solid, consistent minutes, right? And I don't think we can overlook, uh, you know, when he gets 20-some a game, right, how important that is, he, right? He plays, I think he played 24 t- tonight against um, Providence. Last night, he played 19 uh, against Georgia. I, I think that, I'm not going to go as far to say like he's the secret sauce. I mean, clearly they need Franklin to do what Franklin's been doing. They need Gardner to be who he's been. They need Clark and Beekman to be able to create off the bounce, make good decisions. They need defense out of Beekman, obviously. Um, but I, I really think Shedrick is a um, – he's a he, he certainly has a, the potential to be a difference maker. Um, when he's as engaged as he was at the end of the Georgia game, um, when he's as, you know, as confident and as physical as he played – you know, when he's swat, you know, swatting shots out of the way and stuff, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he's not scoring a lot of points right now, right? He only had three against Georgia. Uh, he had four tonight against um, Providence. But I, I think he, he is such an X factor for them in a variety of ways. But it's almost like his physicality goes as the way the team goes. It's, I, I don't know if you can call him like the emotional leader or the center or anything like that. It just it does get you, you just get a sense that they're a different team when he's animated and he's really like fired up and, and, and dialed in. And I think that's something that I'm going to take away from Newark is that when when Caden Shedrick is playing to his potential, Virginia is actually uh, a much different team um, during that span when, you know, they sort of went into that funk tonight. A lot of it, I think, was because there, there just wasn't that sense of urgency. There wasn't that same edge. And I think Shedrick actually helps bring that for them in a variety of different ways. Um, I also thought defensively, look, Georgia and Providence are not that great. Like, let's just call the spade a spade, right? They're not, they're not that great. But they are legitimate teams, right? They're not, you know, they're not like, um, you know, teams you're supposed to roll, right? These are decent games. Um, decent opponents, maybe not great. Certainly not, you know, you're not going to be sitting there in March going, man, those wins in Newark are really going to help, you know, the blah, blah, blah. Like they're not like, that's not what this is, but they're, they, they are teams with talented players and it's good to see Virginia have some, um, some defensive success against teams, um, you know, that are at that level. Now that being said, I forget which one of you guys mentioned it, but the three point shooting in both of these games, I don't think you can say Virginia's three point defense was the reason that, you know, what, uh, Providence went, had three, made three they were combined like three for 40 or six for 43 or something. It was like three. The and games. then Georgia had five. So it's like, so it's eight, right? So eight for 42. Like, that's not good. Right. Like realistically, not many teams are going to shoot that poorly, but at the same token, I do think Virginia actually, you know, did make that sort of a, a thing. Um, I, I, I think anytime that you hold a team under, you know, 0.75 points per possession as they did against Providence tonight. Um, and last night, I guess, what, Georgia had 0.87 points per possession? That ain't bad. Um, and certainly Virginia's going to have to ha- be good on the defensive end. Um, last thing on basketball, the biggest surprise, I guess, for me was was the continued play of Milicic. I, I was a little bit interested, though, that he didn't play as much tonight. Um, 
Dave, as, as this team goes forward into Friday and beyond, right, ACC games are right around the corner, uh, which is kind of astonishing. Um, what's the next step? Like, what are, you, what are you hoping to see next? I, th- I mean, I think you've got to build on what you did tonight. Um, you got to find someone off the bench who can be – you know, I think Kafaro has been decent in spots. Like, he's got his limitations, as any Virginia fan knows. But um, – you've got to have another wing that comes off the bench that, that gives you something, you know, guard wing, whoever it is, whether it's McCorkle or Murray or Milicic. Um, yeah. Cause you, you saw what happened when Franklin went off the court, they brought, see, they brought McCorkle in a little bit tonight. He really, he didn't get a shot up for the first time. I think that's kind of unusual for him. Um, kind of curious what's going on with Murray. Cause I thought he saw us show to some flashes and he hasn't played much recently, if at all. So like, I think, bringing Milicic along would help. And then honestly, like just with the guys on the court, I think one thing they did tonight and maybe it's a, you know, as the defense continues to get better, they're going to spend more time on offense, right? Like they're going to develop more wrinkles tonight. They, they did kind of like sit and let Gardner go to work on the post um, and didn't, didn't flash around him or all that stuff. So there's a little adjustments. I think, you know, Tony's learning the guys and they're learning the scheme. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Franklin can shoot like that, they've got a chance to be better than maybe I thought they were a week ago. Um, but at some point, look, you're, you saw what happened when Franklin went on the bench, you know, and then Shedra got in foul trouble. You got to have a couple guys to come in. Um, I think it could be Milicic. I like his game a lot. I just, you know, that's a, you know, to me, he's more of a f- big, you know, he's more of a four than anything. Um, I think we texted last night about maybe him getting some time in the five um, against smaller teams. And I think that's something you could see because then you can kind of invert the, the offense and get Gardner more touches on the post. So there are some options, um, but if they can't play defense, we're not going to see him. What do you think, Ferber? What you got? Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> um, couldn't get myself off mute. No. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that as always, you know, these first few games – Tony's got to kind of figure out the rotation, who's going to play. You know, you saw that. You mentioned – Dave mentioned Tane Murray. Like, um, McCorkle, another one that has sort of played, like, more in some games and then other games sort of faded into the background a little bit. Um, I can say with some certainty that they feel very good about the – you know, we talked about, like, maybe Kihei, Reese, and Armand together might not be the best combination, but it seems like those are the guys that Tony trusts the most. Um so they're just going to have to kind of play. And then you're going to have to get Kihei to make timely shots and Armand to make a lot of shots um, in that lineup because Reese is certainly not um, – I don't think he's taking that next step as a shooter to this point. Um, maybe it's coming, maybe it's not. But, um, you know, and then in the front court, it seems like, you know, Shedrick is becoming more of a mainstay. Um, and, and, and that's good. I think he has the talent to become a really good player. Um, if he can just keep developing, but yeah, the rest of the guys, it'll be interesting to see like how much Milicic plays going forward. If that's sort of like a non-conference, he gets some minutes, but then that sort of, you know, it fades away as they get an ACC player. If maybe he earns more time, um, we'll just have to see, but yeah, I think that, um, things are kind of starting to come together a little bit in terms of like the roles for each guy. And, um, you know, they have an ACC game next week. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, very interesting to see how they sort of transition from this, like, 
you know, going through the motions almost non-conference, just get through the games, hope you win as many as you can to real ACC games that matter starting in just a few days. All right. That's enough basketball. Let's talk tech. Um, we had a podcast, right? Since Justin Fuente got fired, that remind me on the time frame here, right? We talked about it. We did. Did we not talk about this on the podcast? We did not talk about it, but it had already happened. Then we realized that we didn't mention it after the show ended. I think. Um, Dave, I want to get I want to get your just your <laughs> your gut reaction on Fuente being fired, and how you think that now that we you know we're a week removed from it, how you feel like that impacts UVA. And this in this game this weekend. Yeah, I don't think it impacts UVA in this game. Like it probably impacts their fan base. Uh, if he was still there, like I don't know if they give a crap. No, they'd still care about this game, but not to the extent that they probably will, since they already know they don't have to worry about whether or not Fuente will still be around. So, but from the team aspect, look, I thought you know when I going into their game last week, I thought, you know, maybe Fuente being there, they, they come out and rally. Um, and they certainly came back in the second half, but look, it, I, I don't know that it affects too much this week. They're going to get up for the game. Um, if price is going to do anything, he's going to get them raw off, get them all fired up for this one. Um, but yeah, as far as, yeah, I don't expect much different <laughs> performance from them. Um, like they've always been good in this game. There's a reason they've dominated us for many, many years, regardless of coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we've historically talked a lot, right, about the fact that for a long time, Virginia didn't handle this game the way it needed to be handled. But realistically, the Hokies just handled it differently. And with when you when you win a bunch of them in a row and you handle them, handle it with so much emotion and you handle that emotion accurately, you know, that certainly gives you a boost. Realistically, though, a lot of those teams were just better. I mean, I don't think we're, 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 you know, we're discovering the Holy Grail here. Um, that being said, I, I, I don't know if you can make an argument, Ferber, that that, that tech team that Virginia is going to host on Saturday afternoon is the better team here. Um, certainly there are some pieces that uh, the Hokies have that if you're, you know, if you're a coach of another team or you're, you know, you might be interested in having on your squad. I mean, Trey Turner is a hell of a player. Robinson's a heck of a player. Um, but realistically, like, I don't think that there's any doubt as to which team is the, the favorite here. And realistically, I'm not sure what the line is at present, but, um, this has got to be Dave, what did you say? Brandon figured that this has to be the, the best that UVA has been favored in this game in like 30 years. Um, or so. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he was going back trying to pull like old stats. He thinks some, somewhere between 89 and 92. Yeah, I would say like um, the the 2018 game in Blacksburg was sort of similar to this, but it wasn't as many points probably because it was in Blacksburg. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't this many. Yeah, but the gap was there because Tech was turning turning in the wrong direction, and UVA was not even really turning in the right direction. I mean, they lost the week before, but they were just clearly the better team um, going into that game. But yeah, I would say as far as point spread, this is definitely the most long. I don't remember UVA ever being a touchdown favorite or more against Tech, um, even if maybe they were one year way back. So, I mean, <laughs> listen if you're if you're a Virginia fan, you listen to this podcast. You've you've come you've become accustomed to hearing us. Um, we don't really hold back our uh, our. Pointed commentary, I guess, is a nice way to frame it. 
um, about the Hokies. Listen, I watched that team against Miami. They definitely had some moments where they fought, but they still weren't good. And um, when we get to picks later in this podcast, um, I don't think it's going to come to the surprise of anybody that we're probably going to all pick UVA and not because this is a UVA podcast. Virginia's the better team, especially with Brendan Armstrong back. And I thought last week he looked markedly better than I expected him to look. I think we should at least have a brief conversation about what we think happened. Now, it's fairly clear to, to us, and we're going to kind of talk about this, that while Virginia certainly postured as if you know, Brandon comes out there and he could have started. It, Jay was going to start f- long before that. I would say that the first series that Jay had in that game made me think that maybe there was a chance that that wasn't what was scripted. As in, maybe they thought realistically that Brennan could go and they were having to sort of adjust on the fly. But clearly, um, you know, talking to different folks and whatnot, it was pretty clear that the team at least knew that Jay was going to be starting well before Saturday, like well before the game actually got to a place where they played it. So, Brennan comes out this week, and I mean, I was I was shocked. I mean, I really thought he'd be at like 80, 85%, maybe best, but that he wasn't going to be able to throw the ball the same way. Um, now, he he didn't necessarily have as quite as much maybe uh, touch on the deep ball, but that could be just as much a function of having not thrown for a while and being out as it did, you know, the actual injury. Dave, I'm, I'm not asking you to be a doctor. Um, you know, um, we, we can leave that to people who were, you know, sending videos of, Armstrong may or may not have broken ribs, whatnot, um, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, we'll leave that there. Uh, but how how surprised were you to see Brennan on on Saturday at Pittsburgh? And what what do you take away from that in terms of this matchup this weekend? I mean, I was a little surprised to see him because I mean, I'll give you there was not a leak about his condition um, until like I mean, I get think you, that graphic they released game day morning first clue that he might be back um but yeah it i mean i was definitely surprised i mean we made pick i made a pick last week with or without him you know <laughs> so, i'm kind of so i wasn't 100 sure but yeah it's nice he, he looked good i mean what's funny is like something i didn't even notice so i did the rewatch um i mean i probably noticed it real time just didn't think about it like he had his knee brace back on too <laughs> so like he's got banged up ribs and he's back in his knee brace after finally coming out of it um, the last couple of games he was healthy. So, yeah, it's good to see him. He To me, like, he looked a little rusty on some throws, but when the bullets started flying, like, he get he got that competitive lather going, and, like, that boy's good, man. Like, I mean, I, I pray we get another year of him at least because, I mean, I think about all the bad quarterback play we watched over the years, and, like, this dude's just good. And it's just, even if he wasn't 100%, like, I'll take whatever that was all day, every day. And for the record, we were a three-point underdog last year at Tech. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, for yeah, my- I don't really remember that. Honestly, like. Yeah, that's not the that's, way I remember. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember I didn't either, feeling. We I don't remember feeling like UVA was an underdog, but, I mean, I guess I'm not, like, shocked by it either. Tech yeah, felt like they were trending in the wrong direction going into that game. And, and they had just gotten smacked by Clemson the week before, too. Right. And they had gotten yeah. really blown out at Pitt like two weeks before that. And that's when people were like, just Fuente's getting fired. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember that. That game was like maybe honestly, I think last year's game was like one of the weirdest in the series of games, like the of you know the last twenty years. Um, but yeah, like going back to Brennan on Saturday, I thought he was a little bit like light with the ball early, and I was like, ah, maybe he can't like quite get the. Maybe he is limited. By the end of the game, I didn't really feel that way. Um, like I felt like maybe it was more a byproduct of just kind of easing his way into the game. That that ball he threw to Henry for the touchdown was like perfectly fine, and that was like a 30, 40 yard throw. So there's no issue with the with the arm. Yeah. And and I thought he looked. I thought. I mean, he was making the the, the thing is he, his biggest asset is not his arm; it's his brain. Um, and that's why you need him out there. Like, and he, he was making the right reads and putting the ball where it needed to be, making the pre snap reads. And, and that's what you, that's, even if he's limited, I think you're still going to have a good quarterback because he knows where he's supposed to go with the ball. I mean, the kid was, I mean, there were moments in that game where you were just like, I mean, you would have thought he didn't miss any time at all. And that realistically uh, is probably the part that shocked me the most. It's not even just the, you know, the passes or how much velocity or, or touch or precision, you know, I mean, Virginia was calling its offense. There was, there did not appear, at least to me, and you guys can correct me here if if you disagree. It did not appear to me that he didn't have the full complement of the of the playbook. Right now, whether you think that Virginia made the decision, you know, in the days leading up to the Notre Dame game to go ahead and shut him down, plan ahead so that um, that you know Wolfolk starts and plays that game, Brennan can come back and, and give you a shot in Pittsburgh to try to stay in the coastal race. I, I mean. I don't know if that necessarily matters at this point, but it is interesting, you know. Um, certainly, the way Brennan played in Pittsburgh, unless he, you know, just over those, you know, last you know, what six days or whatever it was, going into it, he just miraculously, you know, made just leaps and bounds. Now, Bronco did say that Monday that they thought, you know, they were hoping he would be more like hour to hour versus day to day. Um, I, I, I don't know. Could he have played against Notre Dame? I mean, I guess we'll. You know, I'm, I'm sure Broncos not really going to go on the record and say, "Well, absolutely, he could have played," and I decided to sit him. Um, but I just feel like, in the big scheme of things, Virginia's decision, at least, put it to you like this: it was it was obvious to me watching him Saturday that if they didn't have any other options, he could have given it a go against Notre Dame. Like he was in a position where he could have played. Um, but at the same token. If you're Virginia, why would you do that, right? It made a lot more sense to, to get him to Pittsburgh, and it and it almost worked. I mean, realistically, like, yeah. you know, like they were not that far off. I mean, you know, it's a it's a tough it's a tough loss, um, you know, because you know what is it ten points? You're, you know, I I, I like one fourth down conversion here or there. Um, you know, they still outgained them five fourteen to five oh nine. Brendan throws for four eighty seven three scores after not having played in a week. Um, you know, he, I mean, he was really, really good. They were, they were in a position that they could have won this game. Um, I just thought Pitt, Pitt made a couple more plays and certainly that one at the end, Bratton, um, you know, I mean, hell, I thought he picked it off initially. Um, but I thought, yeah, and at first I was like, why wouldn't he just knock it down? down, And I was like, but then I was like, well, it is third down. So like you would save your team, like, 30 yards of field position by getting that interception, um, you know, because instead of having them punt. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say now he shouldn't have caught it <laughs> or tried to catch it, but yeah. So in terms of the matchup, what do we like from UVA standpoint? 
personally, I like everything about UVA's offense against that defense. Um, but Dave, let's start with you. What do you like about Virginia's matchup here? Is it strictly just Brennan against this defense? Do you, is it specific to the playmakers at wide receiver? What do you like about Virginia's overall matchup uh, against the Hokies? Well, Brennan, yeah, <laughs> yeah, having that dude behind, you know, getting the snap, definitely helpful. Um, yeah, because we didn't even know if he'd play against Tech like last yeah. week at this time. Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> yeah. Time, like his season could have been over, you know. And then you know, you talk about him being a little rusty at the beginning of the game. We all kind of mentioned it. Um, like he didn't take a competitive snap for twenty days. That's like a bowl, you know. That's like the difference between last game and when you play a bowl game. Um, and he wasn't practicing at least until the last week. So that's that's a considerable break to take. So looking like that, great. You know, having him in the backfield, the fact that look, he didn't run a lot against Pittsburgh, but he showed some mobility and we know he's got the moxie to run the ball when he needs to. Um they called a read option for him on the first possession of the game. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, yeah so, on the goal line. He didn't yeah. get it on the goal line. They yeah. called it. <laughs> but yeah, and he runs hard, and, and we know from experience, like you got to have a quarterback who can who can run the ball and and threaten tech. Um, so obviously he he's won by a long shot. Um, and the other way tech can, when their defense is playing well, it's their you know their their defensive line getting pressure so they can you know let their secondary do their thing, maybe bring an extra guy. But it's their defensive line kind of. Their secondary is decent, you know, if not you know, much better than ours right now. No, no offense, boys. Um, but when their defensive line can get pressure, they're a different unit. So us having an offensive line with experience who just went up against a blitz-heavy team, if our offensive line can protect Brennan, where Tech has to start bringing extra blitzers, we know what Brennan does against that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are the good things for sure. Um, <laughs> plenty of bad, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> um Ferber, I'm 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 guessing you're going to echo a lot of that. Um, but what do you what do you like about UVA's matchup here? I mean, I like everything that the offense is like the matchup. I like UVA's offense against like anybody, um, just because like they've proven that they even if they're sort of one dimensional, they can move the ball and they can score. Um, and and they've done that against pretty much everybody. That's no guarantee, obviously, that they're going to be great on Saturday because we've seen decent UVA offenses like not look so good against Tech in the past. Um, but yeah, I feel pretty confident. I actually want to talk about the other side of the ball. Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's, let's get into the, into the, uh, the concern areas of concern. So well, I want to start with a positive. So Virginia tech they're I mean, they're going to probably play two quarterbacks. I watched the whole game on Saturday against Miami. I've watched a decent amount of their games this year. Just, you know, pure interest, definitely not rooting against them. Um, and they can't really throw the ball that well. Um, again, caveat, UVA's defense has been pretty bad against the pass against a lot of teams, but the teams that they've done well against on defense are teams that struggle to throw the ball teams that are sort of more one dimensional teams that need to kind of play with the lead to beat you. Um, Duke, you know, you saw with them, UVA got a lead. They didn't give up any points. Um, Illinois, like, you know, a team that is probably more reliant on the ground than the pass. They want to play like a 21-17 game. UVA didn't let them play that way. They won that game. I mean, that game was over when it was 14-0. William & Mary, obviously, you know, whatever. Georgia Tech, you know, like they're not really a pass-first team. And UVA got off to a bad start, gave up a bunch of big plays. 
Um, that's sort of the the fear in this one is that, that Georgia Tech, you know, what Georgia Tech did could kind of happen again. But if you remember, there was like a large stretch of that game where UVA outscored them like 48 to 13 or something like that. Um, they just kind of like botched the end of the game sequence. Um, Virginia Tech's passing numbers, I'm looking at it right now. They have one, two, three, four games this year where they've thrown for 200 yards. Four. 200 yards. Um, their season high was 276 against Duke on 11 completions. Um, they threw for 254 against Georgia Tech. Those are both wins. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, they threw for like 213, 212 against Richmond, 223 against West Virginia when they trailed like the whole game. Um, they threw for 148 last week. They threw for 73 at Boston College. Um, yeah, that was bad. I think they had like one completion in the first half. So, yes, UVA's defense has, has stunk against the pass plenty against teams that maybe weren't, like, led by, you know, Kyler Murray. <laughs> but I, I think that Virginia Tech might be one-dimensional enough to where UVA can get stops. And if they get the normal amount of stops against Virginia Tech, I think the offense can do enough to win. I, I think that's an interesting way to frame it, right, which is like – Listen. Having said all that, UVA's defense could be absolutely horrible, and then the game could be in the <laughs> both teams could be in the forties or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the this is an interesting way to frame it, right? Because Virginia's offense, I mean, has has there ever been a game? I mean, I can't think of one, and I'm sure that you know a lot of folks are probably throwing things at me right now. But like, has there ever been a game where the where the Virginia Tech's defense was this outmatched and, and outclassed? Now, that's not to say. That Virginia can't come out and lay an egg. The Cavaliers certainly could do that. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is a you know a foregone conclusion. I'm just saying that like, when has this situation ever presented itself in this way? Which is Virginia's offense is just markedly better than Virginia Tech's defense to the point where you have every expectation that if this thing goes the way it should, it you know it appears to it should go, that Virginia is going to score as, as, all over the place. Like the ball is going to be flying. Um, I, I can't remember a, a Virginia Tech defense I was less concerned in this matchup for, right? Again, And it's interesting because think about how they started the season. Right. Like, I mean, they were dominant against North Carolina. Yeah. They, they gave up like 10 points yeah. or something like that. I mean, you know, and so they have potential, but they just haven't been like playing at that level recently. Now, Trey Turner said something today, which I thought was very interesting, or maybe it was yesterday. Um, he was talking about Fuente getting fired. And he was like, look, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was terrible timing. And I wonder, you know, I, I made this point elsewhere, that there was a time when you could have fired Fuente in the season and the kids would have been, like, energized by it. Like, it would have lit a fire and probably would But have. all those dudes left. <laughs> but all those dudes left, exactly. The guys who were there now are his dudes, right? And a lot of these guys are feeling some type of way about it. And the reason I bring this up in this context is, is that in these, in these situations with Virginia, Virginia tech, historically speaking, right? If there was a time where Virginia got up, tech usually found, finds a way to steady itself, right? Finds a way to make a run, to, to make a play. Um, we joke about them being the luckiest team ever. Cause they always t tend to get it like, you know, a big interception or pick six or whatever at their most inopportune time for the opposition. A lot of that comes from the fact that like, in these situations, they don't, they historically have just not given up. Like they are a team that fights and there's a confidence in there. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Now, again, I watched that Miami game. 
Um, I think that they that the weather certainly played a part in that. But I mean, there was definitely a point where you know they were making some inroads, and then all of a sudden it sort of stopped. And I didn't think that they that the fight that they showed earlier was the same. It was almost like once once the thing really became evident, they didn't necessarily lay down, but they weren't given what they were given. This game, Virginia scores some points, gets up early. You could see that same sort of thing happen. And I understand that, again, you can't – the game is not played on paper. Um, but I expect Virginia's offense to be able to basically do whatever it wants. And, um, you know, maybe Tech has some sort of secret formula for how to crack this. But I really think that, you know, the level of which Brennan is playing um, – you know, and the fact that it's a home game, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel really confident about Virginia's offense. The flip side of that, of course, Dave, is that Virginia has to play defense. And even if the Cavaliers made some, you know, had some, some decent moments, right, against Kenny Pickett and 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 Addison and that bunch, um, consistency is a problem. Consistency has been a problem. It's going to be a problem. Um, in the in this matchup, certainly Virginia Tech has historically made enough plays on defense to sort of put its offense in a good spot. This is going to be a game where its offense is going to have to carry the day, right? They're going to have to keep pace. They're going to have to score a lot of points. What's your confidence level in Virginia's defense being able to really keep that from happening? Like, do you feel like, are you going into this thing worried or are you, or do you think that Virginia's offense will still be able to score enough points? I'd say I'm less worried than I was three weeks ago, but I'm still worried. Um, like the defense, like the defense played it. We 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 did our Notre Dame podcast. Obviously, Notre Dame kind of turned it back, but the defense, you know, played decent against them. And to be honest, like the defense wasn't great against Pittsburgh, but they they forced two turnovers. Um, special teams let them down tremendously. You know, basically put, you know, depending on how you want to do the math, like. You know, the special teams cost the defense 11 points, if not 18 points with the long punt return. Um, and that's, that's tough. And, but when it comes down to it, like it, it this game is just so different, right? Like it, it doesn't matter. Like it, we, we, I feel like we had this exact same discussion about how bad Virginia tech was going into last year's game. Cause Did we really? our Cause offense was rolling. I don't remember. No, our offense was rolling going to that game. We had scored like, 44, 30, 50, okay, 40. One of those games was game. against Abilene Christian, man. Come on. Yeah, but still, we were rolling. Like, we had put up – we had beaten Louisville. We had beat the crap out of Carolina. Um, you know, scored a lot of points in Carolina, at least. And then we beat Boston College. Like, our offense was Yeah, rolling. Boston College was the game the week before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and Tech had given up a ton of points leading into our game. Um, and it all kind of unraveled in that second quarter. So – I definitely like remember going into that, that game expecting UVA to win. Oh yeah, like, yeah I mean, I was yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I just don't think that like in the yeah because Tech had also like Liberty, Miami, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Wake, all in the last you know five of the last six games they had lost. Um, yeah. They were in a bad place. And but look, it's this. I mean, this obviously that was year one with Brennan. Um, this is year two. He's played in the against Tech now. Um, Last year's game was just, you know, we, we know the COVID also, situation and all that stuff. It was just also, awkward. I'd like to remind you guys, like, I forgot about this until just now. Um, the week before UVA played Tech, Tech had the Hendon Hooker freezing on the sideline thing, and we were like, what the hell is going on with them? Like, yeah. 
And that's that's why we were like, this team it looks like a dumpster fire. <laughs> and then yeah, and, and then, 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 all, and then the, and then the offense, yeah, and then the <laughs> offense, uh, and then the uh, off season to end all off seasons, where you know there was a period of time there where they're like, you know, coach was going to be somewhere else, and all of a sudden there was a picture of him in a team meeting, and that was supposed to make it all better. Well, that um, was the year before. That was the year before. Yeah, yeah. was it really into it? Yeah, I yeah. that was last year. That was, no, that, that was, was after the that was after oh, the twenty nineteen. That's, right. that's right. That's and that was right. That's going into into the COVID season. Yeah. Right. All right. But yeah, I mean, as far as the defense, like, look, I mean, I think Justin hit it. Like, they are a little more one dimensional than they have been in the past. And we don't, like, I'm going to assume Trey Turner's playing, but if he's not, they're even more one dimensional because he's their best receiver. Um, and can our defense, if our defense can just hold them in check long enough for the offense to get rolling, like, if you get up 14 on them yeah. and they have to get out of character, then I think our defense can start doing some stuff this is exactly um, how i feel it's like just give the offense a chance to get a lead yeah like a, and, like a multiple possession lead like a 10 yeah. point 14 point lead and yeah. they fired fuente but got they got the same offensive coordinator so i don't think fuente was making yeah. and they're all his, thrilled yeah <laughs> they're all very thrilled. i don't think fuente was making and we you know the stories came out after fuente's firing but you know you guys remember we were watching the games at the tailgate like you, you could just watch Burmeister, like if first read wasn't open, he runs, and that's just how the offense is run. So if he's in, yeah, I assume more of the same. So, like, can they beat? You know, they definitely can beat UVA. Um, if not, the spread would be like thirty, right? Um, but yeah, I think this is a this offense with the with the weapons Virginia has. Um, even if Tech comes out on with their hair on fire, like, can they hold this offense down all day? I don't know, and then. At what point, even if even if Virginia's defense even isn't able to keep Tech from having some success, how much success do they have to have to overcome what Virginia's offense can do? Um, like if it gets into a shootout like we did with Pittsburgh, I don't think Tech can match them. Um, but you know, weird things happen in this game. Dave just going to keep clicking that pen, man. Um, I am. I'm sorry, da- man. <laughs> Damon Dillman is is in the house. Uh, the the Zoom has ended. Damon, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, I think this is by far the latest we've ever brought somebody on, so that's a that's a fun uh, tr- trivia question for your blog, um, Damon. As you have sl- seen this thing unfold this week, um, and the and what's been said on both sides, what what stands out to you the most, um, or is it that none of it matters? Like what's what's been your 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 feel? Yeah, it just it's it's uh, it's just obviously I wasn't around last season. But I go back to 2018 and 2019 when we were like beat over the head with beat tech, beat tech, beat tech. And there really isn't a whole lot of that this year. I think beat tech has been folded into the larger goal of winning the coastal division. And obviously that did not pan out last week. And now it's a team that's trying to reset and refocus. And it was interesting on Zoom Monday morning, the two players we got were Joey Blunt and Brennan Armstrong. You talk to Joey Blunt first, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm having a hard time getting over that pit game. We, I really, really wanted to win the Coastal Division. Then Brennan Armstrong is up next, and he's just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get after Tech. And – it's just it, it's just like those are obviously two snapshots, but still it was interesting the two different ends of the spectrum that both of those guys were at on a Monday morning, having just come out of a meeting, not having practiced yet. 
So, but yeah, and then from the Virginia Tech perspective, I think there's just so much going on down there in Blacksburg right now that the fact that they're playing UVA this week, I think their best case scenario from their perspective is that it's kind of a galvanizing force. The worst case scenario from a tech perspective is that it's almost an afterthought that it's that it's UVA that they're coming up here to play this week. It's just it's just such a different feel than what we're used to 2019 with so much on the line and 2018, the game down there when beat tech was the mantra all year long. And that one didn't pan out in overtime. And it looked ugly there for a while before they were able to come back. Then it looked like they were going to win it and didn't, but yeah, it's just, it's just a different feel to it this year. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see what it feels like in the stadium on Saturday um, I don't know. I think I can sum it, summarize it in a nutshell by saying it's 345 on the ACC network, which kind of puts in perspective the stakes and the, and, and I don't know, that just seems to summarize it in a nutshell for me. 345 on the ACC network says it's not a lot of electricity going into this game game on Saturday. It feels like, yeah, I mean, I think in these matchups, unless there's like a, um, you know, I think Virginia, Virginia Tech's not really that compelling to anybody outside the, you know, the Commonwealth. Yeah. Unless there is like a coastal division, you know, sort of tie-in. Now, there's the whole bowl thing, right? Um, and obviously for Virginia, that's a big deal to to maybe you know keep Tech from going to a bowl and all that fun stuff. Um, but I also kind of think that that time slot is kind of perfect for all involved. Um, even if it, even if to your point, it doesn't necessarily uh, convey you know a great deal of juice. Um, one thing I've noticed lately is that tech fans are obsessed with like what time the game is. Have you guys ever noticed this? That like tech fans think that like the night game is like the end all be all. It's like the best thing that's ever happened since like sliced bread. And that I was there know, until we had like three a year. Like <laughs> I, can't, I, don't yeah, I mean, that. like I think there was a time, right, when maybe, you know, you're like, oh man, this is a big deal. You know, it's a night game. And now I mean like with TV contracts, they gotta put something on these spots. You know what I mean? Well, the ACC network changed it too. So yeah, like exactly. it used to be UVA rarely played at night, especially Bronco. on a Saturday. And now it happens all the time because the ACC network has that slot. Right. Bronco is a big night game guy too, actually. He has talked about how he thinks yeah. He said it last week, right? Yeah, was that He's, when that was? It was recently that he talked about or it. Or Notre Dame, before Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah, the UVA fans will come out for night games, and he he has researched this, which should not surprise anyone. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I was like, of course, he has like a folder with yeah, like game like times, tendons. Um, so, yeah, you're, to Damon's point, though, I mean, this is obviously a, a much, you know, more, you know, sort of regionalized situation. Um, I want to get into sort of the the what happens if of this all right because obviously virginia tech is going to be trying to hire a coach at the same time that lsu and usc and florida and a whole range of other schools are trying to hire a coach and for virginia you know if you went back to 2016 and you said like when of among bronco um Mark Rick and just Fuente that Bronco was going to be the one still standing. I mean, maybe somebody would have bought you, you know, uh, would have bought that, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think it's very interesting that that's the way it played out. What does this win really mean for UVA? That's the, that's the question I want to get into before we get into picks. I, obviously for fans, this is a big deal. I mean, this is, this is a huge deal, especially now that the coastal is off the table. 
all that matters at this point. I mean, you know, the bowl game is going to be, you know, they're probably heading north, right? I think we we all agree um, that that's probably the way it'll unfold now that they're out of the coastal race. So this is in a, in a lot of ways that right, like this is the, this is it. And for Virginia Tech fans, I mean, I, I don't think they they think that you know Price is going to get a look at the as the head coach. You know, this is essentially a chance for them to sort of. You know, put a thumb in Virginia fans' eye, right? He, you had this historic, this historic quarterback and this great offense, and, and we still beat you even when our coach got fired, like that kind of thing. Dave, what's this in, in your opinion? What's this mean for UVA, the program? Not necessarily. I'm trying to I'm trying to differentiate here between like the fans who clearly want to do nothing but beat the ever living snot out of Tech. But what does this yeah. mean for the program if Virginia's able to win this? Is this like a ho hum sort of thing, or is this or is this meaningful to you? I mean, it's meaningful to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm married to Hokey. It's always meaningful to me. Um, look, uh, it, it's hard to say. Like, it, it can't hurt, right? Like, you, you don't want to, you don't want to lose this game. But in, in the national scale, like, it probably doesn't change anything because most people outside the state of Virginia probably can't tell you who won. Um, I mean, most people outside the state of Virginia would be surprised if you told them how long the streak was. That's that's just the way it is. Um, but I think, you know, for a team, you know, given where Virginia Tech is right now and all the things you said about how Virginia's offense has been clicking, um, I think just for momentum, um, you know, I think Virginia needs to win it just to kind of let everyone know, hey, we're here. Like, you know, Tech might think they're getting better, but we've won two of the last three, you know, if they won, if we went on Saturday. Um, and at that point, like, you, you don't need to win every game in a rivalry. You just have to make it competitive. I think two out of three, like, the answer to any tech fan when you mention playing them isn't, well, you beat us once in 15 years, right? It's, it's more substantive. Now their next, their new response is going to be, well, you, you beat us in our, you know, you know, in our, one of our worst seasons in a very long time, but it doesn't matter. Like we know we, we made excuses for 15 years. Um, it still hurts. So, and look, Virginia hasn't recruited well in the state of Virginia and neither Virginia tech, but, I think losing a Virginia Tech, especially with a new coaching staff coming in there, that could hurt Virginia a little bit if they want to try to make inroads recruiting in state. Because Tech's can be like, look, no matter how bad we are, like we're still better in Virginia. Um, so yeah, it's definitely got consequences. Nothing, nothing as huge as it would have been if we'd have beat Pitt. <laughs> Fair enough. Herbert, what do you think? What does this mean for for UVA? Um. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, since they lost to Pitt. Um, I think this game is pretty important. Like, not for the program, um, necessarily. Like, like I think Dave hit it. Um, it's not like recruits are hanging on this like they used to, probably. It definitely doesn't help to lose. Um, but I don't think anybody made the recruiting decision on what happened in Blacksburg last year. Um, or really in Charlottesville the year before. Uh and, and again, like nationally, it's not going to be as it's not going to be something that people are paying a lot of attention to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for Bronco, it's pretty important. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, how do we view this season? And we can talk about this, obviously, after after this game, I'll be able to kind of tell you, I think. Um, how do we view this season? Is it a success? Is it a step in the right direction? Is it not? Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, like. They're six and five. They're going to a bowl game. You know, that's, that's one thing out of the way. Um, 
they certainly had some good moments in the middle of the season and the beginning of the season. The offense has been tremendous. Brandon Armstrong, best season any UVA quarterbacks ever had. Um, like it, to scale anyway, obviously I know they didn't throw the ball quite the same way back in the day, but um, you know, there's a lot of positives. There's also a lot of negatives. I mean, like the defense has been like historically bad, like not just bad, like historically yeah. bad um, that, you know, you also have to weigh the fact that they've played a tough schedule compared to what they normally do. I mean, if you look at their losses, and I think this gets lost on people when they're like, you guys are six and five. Like, there's a lot of that going around. What would the 2019 team, what would the 2019 team's record be against the schedule? Um, Whether they, they went to a top 15 BYU, number 17 Pitt. They played Notre Dame at home with their backup quarterback. Um, they lost at North Carolina, who, it, you know, they're going to probably be like six and six or seven and five, but they were a preseason top 10 team. They had talented players. It was on the road. Um, and then your other losses to a top 25 weight team. Like that, that's not bad at all. Um, if you lose the tech, it changes the thing though. Like, cause then, you know, you're favored by a touchdown. They haven't really lost any games that I feel like they should have won. Like, I think the only game where they were favored and lost was wake. And that was clearly a mistake. <laughs> based on how Wake ended up doing the rest of the way. But, like, you look at their schedule, if they take care of Tech, then they pretty much took care of every team that they should have beaten, and then they didn't really beat anybody that they should not have beaten. Um, you know, and they they beat two bowl teams on the road in Louisville and Miami, which were kind of what put them in, bowl play, in a bowl place in the first place. Um, if you beat Tech, you win two out of three. You kind of make it so um, you can kind of wipe off last year's result you know, you take care of business and it does feel like a taking care of business game. It's not going to be like some huge triumph necessarily, but if you don't win, you're giving a lot of ammunition to the fans who, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at stuff last week after they lost the pit, like people, there's a lot of people out there that are like not into this. And I think it shows in the stadium, <laughs> like, you know, Notre Dame, they didn't break 50,000. And I don't think Brennan Armstrong's participation had much to do with that. Um, this game, I don't know where they're going to be, but it ain't going to be full. So it's not like, yes, maybe people aren't freaking out, but they're not enthusiastic either. And if you lose to Tech again, five times out of six, and now I think what at least twice as a favorite, like losing this year is almost unacceptable um, or unacceptable based on where Tech is. So I think it's a pretty important game for the staff. What about you, Damon? What do you think? Yeah, I think Ferber raised a lot of great points. He kind of um, did steal all the good points, didn't he? Yeah. No, I also I think, don't think he's going to get fired or anything if they lose. It's just like <laughs> – but I but I think it's like – I think the temperature kind of does get turned up a little bit. And there's certainly a precipice of apathy that they may have already fallen off of. Um, but if you lose to Tech, then uh, you really are in jeopardy of fan apathy that it would be really difficult to reel back in. Um so, yeah, I think those are a lot of really good points that Justin just raised. The other thing I was thinking about, uh, and players talked about this yesterday, and I agree with what they said, was eight and five sounds a whole lot better than seven and six or six and seven. And the only way you get to eight and five is by winning this game and then winning the bowl game. And I go back to after they shut out South Carolina in the Belk Bowl, and you could feel the momentum of that win, even though they lost the game to Tech, they came back and won that bowl game. And you can feel the way that momentum carried into 2019 and carried into that pit, uh, the season opener pit. And I really think that helped propel them to the big year in 2019 in the Coastal Division title. 
And that's that's an example of and and I think one of I think it was Brendan Armstrong said yesterday that everything just felt different uh, around the building after um, after uh, they beat Tech in 2019 after they uh, won the bowl game in 2018. Now beating Tech in 2019 kind of got watered down by the way things went against Clemson in Florida, but if you can beat Tech here and get to seven and five, and then you build on that momentum and finish at eight wins. To, to Ferber's original point, how will this season be looked back upon? I feel like you look like five years from now or whatever, you look back and you see, oh, they went eight and five that year. They must have been pretty good. And the way the offense has played, yeah, they have been a pretty good team this year. It's just the, the defense, as, as we've all talked about, uh, ad nauseum just has not been good at all this year. And, and I think – Ultimately, the final record is going to reflect. If you can get to eight and five, then the then that proves that the offense was able to overcome the bad defense. If you wind up at seven and six, eh, if you wind up at six and seven, I think that that shows that the offense could not overcome the bad defense. And, and yeah, so this this tech game, even though they didn't win the coastal, this tech game and then the bowl game that comes after still can go a long way in defining the how this season is remembered and how it kind of carries into next year and what kind of momentum they can take into next year, especially with a guy like Brandon Armstrong back. And if you can get a bunch of those playmakers on offense back. So, yeah, I think, I think it could do a lot of positive by winning here. And, and to Ferber's point, you can do a lot of damage especially given the state of affairs in Blacksburg right now, losing this game could really do a lot of damage um, long-term uh, and, and, and really rock the foundation, I think, in a lot of ways of this program. Yeah, I think Ferber's point about, you know, sort of where UVA was through the season when you look back on who they lost to, the Tech obviously changes that narrative completely because they just fired their coach, right? You can't lose. You just simply can't lose to the team that doesn't have – an actual coach no offense to and, and also it's like if they lost the game it's like what did they accomplish this year right. they went six yeah. and six they beat like a horrible duke team a, a three and nine georgia tech team william and mary illinois <laughs> and then they like squeaked out two games on missed field goals and those i i think that part is getting overplayed by people i think people are like trying not to give them credit for those games it's like somebody's got to win a close game yeah that's right. like you know you can't take that away from them it really, but, uh, it really deflates the whole unbroken growth narrative, which has taken a hit this year. Regardless, obviously, I don't know if that even applies anymore. But if you lose this game, then yes, that's all. Any, yeah, any of and, that sort of narrative's out the window. And if Brennan was hurt, I wouldn't say that. I would be like, you know what? They got dealt a bad hand. Like whatever. Um, I mean, it still would be bad for them to lose to Tech five out of six. But what's their excuse if they lose this one? Like, how? What could they stand up there and say? Like. Our I mean, defense think, isn't good. Whose fault is that? Like, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think all these points are right, but it's what it boils down to. Virginia is still like the second winningest ACC team in the last three or four years. Like, yeah. So basically, we're we're having the same discussion every non-Clemson, Ohio State, um, you know, the big boy, Alabama, all those guys. This is the same discussion every one of those fan bases has every every week now, because that's just how football is. Um, so, I, mean, yeah, I, think I think people get tired of like uh, middlingness or whatever, even though that's where most teams should be. Like, yeah, there are a lot of teams. There's a big middle for a reason. UVA is in there, too. But against yeah, Tech, you can't lose five out of six when they've been bad. And the coach that's been there for six years is now fired. 
Yeah, it just happens. You know, Virginia the last you know four years to get to their wins, it's been you know six wins here, seven wins here, nine wins, you know five, six wins. Like it's it's back and forth. Um, while other teams that are kind of similar have, have like a ten win season and a three win season, and then you mm-hmm. know. So I mean, I think it can be frustrating when you're in the middle of it and you're just kind of middling, as you said. Um, I think if they the win success, this game, but, they had a pretty good season. Like oh, I think they had a very good season, especially yeah, considering the who they had to play. They had. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think that Notre Dame game was very winnable. If we see the Brennan Armstrong we saw, yeah, first three quarters of BYU, and we saw last week. Um, now that's revisionist history and doesn't really and that matter. But really, would have changed their still. season. Like even oh. if they lost a pit, it's like you beat a top ten team. Like yeah, exactly. Are you guys ready to get some picks? Yep, always ready. <laughs> I bet we're going to be changing some of them. Uh. <laughs> I mean, the scores. Oh, yeah, scores. Okay. <laughs> Dave, in the preseason, you had Virginia winning this thing 37 to 14. Um, shit, that might be pretty close. What say you now? I had Virginia winning this. That's a shocker. Shocker um, of the year. <laughs> um, look, I, mean, I think Virginia's going to win. And I, I've, got a, I, I've got a feeling this is going to be the year it's finally like we get to enjoy a win. No stress, just, you know, no stress down the stretch, just kind of. Enjoy, watch all the maroon and orange empty out of the seats. What I've been waiting for most of my adult life. Um, I, I do think Tech's going to score because I'd be a fool not to think Virginia's going to give up points. Um, but the, a lot of the things Virginia does well on offense are things that Tech struggles with. And, you know, I think, you know, Jelani Woods and Brennan being able to run and, you know, being able to hit the deep ball and, and having – being able to spread them out um, and still, you know, and have just so many options on the outside, I think that puts Tech's defense at a disadvantage. Um, and you know, I look for Virginia to do some big things. I think it's going to be a fun Saturday afternoon. Um, send out our super seniors in a good way. I am going to adjust my score a little bit. I'm going Virginia 48, Virginia Tech 24. All right. Ferber, in the preseason, you had Virginia win this thing 31-28. How do you feel now? 31-28. Um, I kind of think Dave's right in the sense that I think if UVA wins it, they're going to win it like a little more comfortably than some of their other games. Um, I don't think I, – I, the closer it gets, that's probably the worst for UVA. Like I, I don't – the one thing I, I would be pretty surprised by is Tech winning in a blowout. <laughs> Like, I don't see how that happens unless Armstrong gets hurt again or something weird happens um, or they just play, like, horribly, you know, um, which I guess is possible. Um, I think – I don't know if, if UVA is necessarily going to blow them out. I think Tech can score enough on them to kind of make it almost like the Miami game um, last week where it's like Miami was in control, but Tech kind of made a few plays in the second half to make them feel like, eh, this isn't quite over yet. Um and I think Tech will do everything they can to win. I think they'll play. The one thing I will say against Miami, like they played hard, I thought. You know, I, I don't think they'll give up, um, especially with considering the rivalry and all that. I think UVA does enough on offense to kind of like – I don't know if Tech will be able to score with them um, consistently, even if maybe they get up early. I just don't know if they can keep up. So I'm going to go UVA 38, Tech 28 in the game that um, – in the second half, at least UVA is kind of like keeping them at like 
they're up like 10 a lot or seven a lot, but um, they don't, they don't really trail, but it's not quite like a blowout. All right, Damon preseason 34, 24 UVA for you. How you feeling now? No, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do think tech's going to come into this game fired up. Um, JC Price, I, uh, I I got to know him a little bit when he when I was covering JMU and he was the D line coach and uh, he um, yeah he's gonna have these guys fired up. You figure this guy he he's already said he knows he's not gonna be the next head coach. So you don't think those guys they played hard for him last week and you don't think they're gonna want to get him a win as the Virginia Tech head football coach at UVA. Uh, what a win that would be for him yeah <laughs> right uh he might never be a head coach again like yep. you know that that's my point though you know what i mean you tell me they're not going to be rash thinking about that same stuff and, and be really fired up for this game on saturday um plus the whole bowl eligibility aspect of it um so yeah i think they're going to come out fired up now i do think it's funny i jumped on here uh while you guys were talking about this a little bit earlier and and, and like there's a certain degree of rationality that goes out the door when, uh, when, when you're talking about UVA, Virginia tech, and like, you just, you just think about this game differently. You don't think about it with the same rational mindset as you do. Like if this was Duke or Georgia tech coming in on Saturday, you just think, well, you know, weird things happen in UVA, Virginia tech. So I'd like, I'm trying to balance that and almost block that out of my mind. Um, I do think, as you guys were talking about earlier, when I was first jumping on, the key is if UVA gets out to like a 14-point lead early, a 10-point lead early, that doesn't bode well for Virginia Tech because I don't know if their offense is built to rally uh, from from a two, three-score deficit. Uh, So I think that's going to be the key for UVA is, uh, who has it said, similar to the Miami game where UVA was able to get out to that early lead the defense was able to get those early stops and they were able to make it hold up in the end. I just don't know if Virginia tech would be able to muster the comeback that Miami did in that game. Uh, I think that's, what's going to happen. Honestly, I think the offense is going to come out fired up. Uh, They've been pretty good all year long about putting points on the board early. They, uh, they elected to, to receive at Pitt with the intention of putting points on the board early. And they were able to do that after the penalty. So yeah, I think the offense is going to get out to the early lead. Virginia Tech's just not going to be able to is it doesn't have the firepower to to close the gap. So I'm going to say 41-21 UVA wins this one. And maybe it's a little closer than that for a lot of the afternoon. Maybe UVA gets a late one to get out to that 20 point that eventual 20 point lead. But yeah, I think eventually UVA is just too much. Too much for Virginia Tech and they're not going to be able to and the defense on UVA side, I think the defense, the aggressiveness, the the uh, the blitzing that we saw on Saturday, I think they bring some more of that. Uh, they try to get after whoever's a quarterback for Tech, and I think that disrupts things just enough uh, that the defense is able to have a a decent day and decent wins games for UVA this year defensively, especially against a team like in the shape that Virginia Tech's in right now. So, long story short, forty-one twenty-one. I think. Um... In the preseason, I had it 37-33 UVA. I think that, you know, we we joked about it being a weird one, um, you know, last year. And uh, and I was going back and forth on the score here. And, and when I finally decided, I was like, well, is this is this a weird one? Is this not another weird one? Like, what is... 
But then I was thinking, I was like, when's the last time UVA just blew them out, right? I mean, it's obviously happened, but it's been a long time since Virginia put the put the pedal to the floor, right? I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I think this thing will be tight in the first quarter. I think once Virginia gets a lead, the thing balloons a little bit. Um, I could see I could see it being like forty eight, you know, seven, and then Tech adds a touchdown late to make it like forty eight fourteen. I think Virginia has the better team. They certainly have the the better offense. Um, you know, I just don't think I, I genuinely don't think that Tech is in a position where the where the Hokies can actually make enough hay out of Virginia's biggest deficiency while also simultaneously taking away Virginia's biggest advantage, right? I, I, I think Tech can score. I just don't think that they can – I don't think they're consistent enough on offense um, to score enough to really keep pace. And I think once they lose, once they lose that sort of draft, it, they're not going to be able to get it back. Um, I mean, they fired the coach for a reason, let's be real. Um but I do think that this says a lot about Virginia and sort of where the program is, and I think it's a I, I think it's a must win. I, I think you can't lose to them in the situation and kind of keep on keeping on without you know like if Brendan's hurt or something, okay, fine. Um, but you know he's obviously back, and so you know as is, I, I think I, I I'm looking for the Cavaliers to put up a lot of points and um, to exercise some demons um, that maybe you know, I mean I know 2019 helped some. Um, certainly breaking the streak was a big deal, but to to send Tech back you know, home, no bowl, all that fun stuff. Um, I think that's going to be a fairly substantial thing. So 48, 14. Um, yeah. Give me the who's all right. Anything else for the good or before we wrap it up? No doubt. We will be discussing all of this next week. And again, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Um, everybody be safe and we will see you on Saturday. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And uh, if you're so inclined to give us a rating and review, we appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out, CavsCorner.com. Yeah, do I even know the website's actual address? Um, how the ACC sees the ACC is up. Obviously, Damon's talked to the coordinators. We've got the 3-2-1 on Tech Week. Um Broncos recap on Monday. Um, I, I thought the the combination between the take two and then Damon's piece about sort of the mistakes that that cost UVA um, was also a good combo. Um, I, I think tomorrow, Damon. Let's see what well, tomorrow you've got. Um, tomorrow you've got the uh, remind me because I'm drawing yeah, a yeah. I'm PFF grades. That's right. PFF at, uh, grades. Right. Because people will as they get this on Thursday. So lots of lots of peruse on your Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, oh yeah that's right this won't drop until thursday we'll we'll be back on we'll be back (laughs) to you on friday uh after the holiday leading into what should be a very interesting weekend in charlottesville um between the basketball game on friday night and then obviously the tech game on saturday uh you can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you my thanks to them for their support of the show and of the website and again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave Ferber and Damon for giving graciously their time late on, on a Tuesday night, as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Doman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. There's something in your-